0: Is a time to worship him. And our issue, I kind of just want to go through the story, his story, um, this morning. Like, expect a preacher to go through the whole Bible and whatever. It's about God's love. And it's about how he pursued us, even though we turned our back on him, even though we rejected him. He did what he had to do to love us. That's why we celebrate. Scripture readings this morning. I have one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. I ask you to stand in our great God's honor as I read from Deuteronomy 8, and then we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 11. Read verses 10 through 14 aloud from chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Passage on the Lord's Supper. Look at verses 23 through 26 of First Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. In remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread. And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. Let's pray. Father. Help us remember. Help us remember why we're here. Help us remember. Where we were and where we are. Help us remember Lord. Because we forget. And I pray, Father, as we remember today that we, oh God, would proclaim your death. That our hearts and our minds would go to the cross, Lord. And we're grateful the cross is not the end. For the resurrection follows. Father, just guide us in our time together. May it be pleasing to you. And may we worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Bible starts out. It says, in the beginning, God. And what do we find out about God? <laughs> he created the heavens and the earth. And he said it was good. And of course, as he looked around at all of his wonderful creation, not just the earth itself, but the life that was teeming with around the whole planet, so there's still something missing. And so he created man and woman. And he was pleased with that. And there was this perfect relationship. I, you know, we don't know what that's like because, man, we know we're not perfect. But there was this perfect relationship with the living God where they walked with him. and And, and they conversed with him. And there was a oneness. But then that slithery serpent... Came on the scene. He said, if "You, you know, you just eat, take a bite of the fruit of the one tree." That, but, but God said, "Don't, don't, don't take fruit from that tree. That's the one command. Don't do it." The servant said, "Yeah, but if you do it, you'll be like God. You'll know good and you'll know evil." We know what happened. They ate of the fruit the man and the woman, and there was a separation. The perfect relationship was no longer perfect. And God could have said, well, you deserve what you get. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm done. But no, the Bible is all about God's pursuit of those who rebelled against Him. And guys, we're in that. (laughs) About those who rebelled against Him and He pursued. And it's interesting as you get to book of exodus and, and you find out god's people they're in slaves the hebrews are in egypt and they cry out to god and they're suffering and god sends a deliverer by the name of moses you guys know the story and then he comes and these plagues come and the last plague he says i want you to remember me The way you will remember me is from your sacrifice. You'll take some of the blood and you'll put it on the doorpost of your home so that when the death angel passes over, I'll know you remembered me. And then he set the people free. They set out on that journey and God took care of them. But they began to forget and they began to grumble. And and it was a story of forget brought to remembrance. Forget brought to remembrance. Then we come to Deuteronomy chapter 8. They're about to enter the promised land. And uh, very interesting, as as God speaks And twice in this chapter, He says, remember, four times. He says, you forgot. Well, they forgot twice as much as they remembered. But the key was, they needed to remember. He says in verse 2, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. And as you go through this section of Scripture, we learn that He provided food for them. He provided manna. He took care of them on a daily basis. And I love in the Scripture here, it's so amazing. He says, verse 4, your clothes did not wear out. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? I got some clothes that I act like they're not worn out. But, oh, I've seen he threw those away. You know, the clothes, they get threadbare. And he said, hey, your clothes didn't wear out. And the second thing he tells us in there is that your feet did not swell during these 40 years. All that walking. And you're, man, now that's some foot therapy. God, we need your help in that with the the feet. Are you kidding me? It's how God took care of his people. In verse 5, he said, As a parent, I had to give you some divine discipline, a spiritual spanking because you turned away from me. In verses 10 through 15, talks about full bellies, nice houses, herds and flocks, large savings accounts. Basically, it's all waiting you if you will remember me the trials endured i want you to notice in verse 17 the second time he says about remembering um He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. What is he saying? He's saying, man, even when you're able to get out of the mess. Even when you give yourself credit, it is because of me. The source of everything you have, your very strength, your intelligence, everything about you. It is because I decided to give it to you. And you go on through the scripture and there's this run and return, run and return, run and return. And then we come to the New Testament And we come to John chapter 1. And and, you know, there was this message that went through the Old Testament. It was a message of, remember me, return. And then we come to John chapter 1 and we find out that instead of the words, the message became the Word. Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made Without Him, nothing has been made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He became the very message. No longer, it wasn't just what you heard. It became what they saw as the disciples were with Him and as the crowds followed Him. It was interesting, as I looked through the Scripture here, I only saw two times where followers of Jesus in the Gospels said that they remembered. One time, um, we read about in John chapter 2, in verses 13 through 17, it's the clearing of the temple. Remember when Jesus went in the temple and he displayed anger in the temple courts. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts. He found men selling cattle, sheep, doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip of cords and drove all from the temple area. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold the doves, he said, get out of here. Get, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? What was happening? It was a time where people came to remember God. It was a time where they came and they needed a sacrifice. A sacrifice that required blood. And so they came. They didn't actually have the sacrifices, but they had money to pay for a sacrifice. And they were robbing the people. These ones in the market were charging exorbitant fees for a sacrifice. And Jesus said, you are preventing people from coming to God. You are preventing people from remembering that God loves them. That God has provided a sacrifice to them. And I think it's really interesting. The one that got mad about the sacrifices was the sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice that would give of himself. Where all other sacrifices would become obsolete and no longer necessary. But look at verse 17 here. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. They remembered as they saw Jesus' passion that the Scriptures declared God cares about how people enter in, how they come to Him, how they bring the correct proper sacrifice that is needed for forgiveness to meet God's holy demands. It's what they remembered. and I think it's beautiful as you look at the second time in the scriptures where I saw a follower remembered that Jesus didn't come with anger. It's found near the end of the Gospels, a guy named Peter. Remember Peter? Peter said, Lord, everybody else can Run away. They won't stand by you. Not me. I'm your guy. I'll be with you no matter what happens. Lord, you can count on me. Peter. Before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. No, no, not me. You guys know the scripture. He did. He denied him three times. And on that third time, there was the crow. And then... He realized, as the piercing eyes of Jesus, he was reminded. I forgot him. I turned away from him. But there, there's not a text here where Jesus gets angry and he he attacks Peter and he comes to me. You know what happens when he's restored? He says, "Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep." Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Oh, do you love me, Peter? It is it, a matter of confrontation, not out of anger, but a I want to restore you, Peter. I want to bring you back. Even though you forgot me, I remember you. Remember me. Then we come to, uh, I thought of Matthew 20. Turn there with me if you will. Um, Matthew 20, uh, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down as to favor of him. <laughs> what is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant, that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father. I mean, you think it would have been humbling. You think the disciples would have said, we don't even deserve to be here with Jesus. They don't deserve to sit next to Him. But I don't either. But unfortunately, that's not what they said. Look at the text. Verse 24. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They were mad at them. They gave them that look that could just, like a laser beam, pierce right through them. Why? Why? Because they wanted that position. You know, just like that first temptation, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You will have that position of authority. You will be exalted. You will be raised up. And I can imagine if they had an opportunity, they would let everybody know there how dedicated they are to the cause of Jesus and how committed they are and how qualified they are to have that place to sit right next to Jesus. They were indignant. And you know, I wonder, as I read this, and of course, Jesus goes on as he shares. He, he tells you, he says, verse 26, he says, not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, the truth is, I can't imagine... Jesus just saying, while these guys are arguing back and forth, while they're indignant, I can just see him saying, uh, hey, hey, remember me. They forgot. Now, before we get so high and mighty, how often do we forget? How often do we forget? We're, we're prone to forget. Preaching I believe God gives us preaching to remind us. And it's not just the words that are spoken by a preacher. It is the Holy Spirit of God as it tells us in John 14:26 that the Holy Spirit comes to reveal to God the the so that we can understand his awesome truth to remind us. Of the words of Jesus. That's what it says in John 4. To remind us. And of course Hebrews 4.12. That the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And all this is to do what? To remind us. Because we are so quick to forget. Preaching is an opportunity to hear and be reminded. As the Lord's Supper is an opportunity to see and be reminded. It is a visual picture of what He wants us to remember. That although you and I don't deserve it, He pursued us to the point of Calvary. And that's what we want to do. is to see that love and to remember by the Lord's Supper. At this time, I'm going to ask the deacons to come up as we prepare to engage our hearts in the worship of the Lord's Supper together. 23 through 25, just prayerfully. Listen as we begin to see what we need to remember. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. In remembrance of me. Let's pray. Help us remember, Lord. In your name. How humbling it must have been at that Passover to be in the room with Jesus. They fought back to the Passover lamb. and They fought back to putting the blood on the doorpost. But we know that really what God was trying to share is Jesus' Passover lamb. And as He broke that bread... He was saying, my body is about to be broken. And it is for you. And when you take (laughs) this, it is that you are remembering the body of Jesus has been broken for you. also when we partake of this cup that we are to do this in remembrance of him that a new covenant has been made to which entitles us to belong to the family of God and as we partake of this cup we remember that it cost Jesus his life and his very blood you lead us in prayer Kim He just said, when you drink from this cup, he said, to do it in remembrance of me, that it represents covenant in my blood. It made me think of 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, where Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He said, not that we are competent to claim anything from ourselves, but our competence comes from God. It said that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And the new covenant is of the Spirit, not merely of the law. The law lets us know we need a Savior. We're a mess, all of us. But praise be to God. The Spirit, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead raises us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And when we partake of the cup, We remember the price was paid in full. And we remember Him. Leslie Whitehead, in one of his books, talks about a little boy who was an orphan. And he ended up in an orphanage. And one of the attendants there came, this little boy. His clothes were just completely worn out brought in one of the first uh, jobs was to find him some new clothes. So they found some pants and a shirt that would fit him and some shoes. And he put on all those clothes. And they even gave him a hat to replace the hat that he wore. He had a little hat. But he didn't want the hat at first. The said, why don't, why don't you want this hat? Yours is worn out. It's a new hat. No. He said, no. I said, well, look at the hat. Finally, the per- he said, yeah, that's a pretty nice hat. And then he takes off his old hat and he kind of rips the li- he rips the lining out of it. And he takes it and he puts it in his pocket. And the person said, what is that? And he said, um, it's a piece of my mother's dress. It's all I have left of her. And I can't explain it. But when I have it, it just makes her more real. I can't explain everything that happens in the Lord's Supper, but it is where His presence comes in a very real manner, where we are able to see Him, and we are reminded of Him. And as we leave here, our hope, we're reminded of it. And that others need that hope. We we talked about in Sunday school, you know, talk about warning, and people need to be warned, and yes, there is a hell. And yes, that when we reject God, there are consequences. But we do that not as if we're angry, guys. As Paul said in Philippians 3.18, we come with tears, many tears, because we care. Why? Because He cares about us. And that's to be passed on. And we remember Him. May we remember Him as we leave. You know, the Bible says uh, that they sang a song as they headed out. So... uh, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, find a hand to hold, and let's sing the first and last verse of amazing grace together.